everybody. Morning, morning, morning. Um, sure. Uh, just a reverence for God. Um, he is holy. Thanks, worship team. Thank you for coming out and blessing us. That's really awesome. Um, the guys pushing in and just being here and being available. Slacker and Bianca and Luan as well. You're always blessing us. Thank you. All right. So, uh, interesting day. Um, it's interesting that even the worship, the, the songs that they, they chose, I was totally unaware of that. And it is so in line with the message and what Matthew was feeling as well. So the Lord brings these things together. Um, my eye just keep it <laughs> on the same, same vein and not go off on a rabbit trail here. But I'm really excited about the message that I believe the Lord has shared with me. As some of you know, I, I prepped for last week, and, uh, but then Mike decided he needs to take over. I'm not ready. So uh, I'm just teasing. Um, but the Lord clearly spoke last week and that it wasn't time for the message. And it's amazing how the Lord tweaked that, that I'm not even sure if it's exactly the same message as last week, but he tweaked a lot in me. So I hope that what I'm going to share today is really going to be why you're here today, that you really hear what the Lord's saying. It's not me and my cleverness or whatever it is. Um, it's what the Lord is saying and why are we why are we here? So, welcome. Enjoy the show. Sit, sit back, <laughs> sit back and relax and enjoy the flight. If you don't mind putting our little clip on, will you be able to do that? Thank you. And may the flight be much better than this one. scary, really scary. Um, beg your pardon? That is real. That is super real. Um, it's amazing. It, I've watched that thing quite a few times in my life, and it hit me now that I just want to cry. Whew, that was a dark message for sure. Um, we go for our driver's licenses. And when you go for your driver's license, what happens? 
you have to go through some theory, you have to get an instructor, and eventually the guy lets you go on your own. And you go solo, and then you go for a test. You pass it, or you don't. What I gather these days, I hear people go three, four, five times before they pass. Um, then I had the privilege of doing a little bit of, um, oh, and everything is just gone. Um, gliding. Um, I got into a bit of gliding, and quite an amazing thing to be out in the air with. Just an, uh, it's just awesome the way it is. I had the privilege one day of while we're in a thermal, and the instructor said to me, I've got it, just check on the right wing. And as we were turning, there was an eagle, and he was down about three, four hundred foot below us, and he was in the same thermal. But he's got a shorter circle that he turns. And uh, as, as I was watching, he came up in the thermal, and we were in the same thermal, just going up. And how he, when he was level with us, he actually looked. And as he looked, the his feathers were out of streamline, and they ruffled like that, and he turned his head and looked back. It is awesome how God has made everything, and that's a reverence for him. Anyway, so then I managed to, from that, I used to fly a lot with a friend of mine who had his PPL, and I did a lot of navigation with him. I uh, did a lot of fly-ins and outs and whatever, but I didn't want to touch the controls. But... Uh, at some stage, I got into PPL flying as well, and then had the privilege to go and do exactly that, what you see there. Um, I was privileged to do some aerobatics for a while, and uh, I want to base what I want to share, what I believe the Lord is sharing with us today about a journey with Him in when we go through these things. And uh, I really heard the Lord say to me at, at some stage in the last, I don't know, it's just been impressed on my heart. Um, am I living a surrendered life? And it, it kind of carried on and on and on. And then Mike asked me if I'd like to preach. Um, and I, I knew straight away there was something in that. And then I started asking, but what is a surrendered life from a biblical perspective? And it kind of... In, I'm going to summarize it in this little bit of a uh, definition. It involves relinquishing control. Now think of that flight there. Relinquishing control, rights, power, direction, and all the things you do and say. That is surrender. Relinquishing all. And that is what God is expecting of us in this life that we, we're living and supposed to be living for him and with him in the worship, in the way we live, the way we speak, the way we communicate, the way we just look at somebody. That's what he's expecting. It's about completely resigning your life over to his hands to do with you as he pleases. Now, what's that got to do with all this flying and uh, whatever it may be? Again, I just quickly want to remind you, when you go for whatever training it is, there's an instructor. And you relinquish everything to that instructor. You can imagine with the flying as well, also with the gliding. Went with the instructor, and uh, the first day, there were two of us that were there for the first time, and it was um, tandem, um, one behind the other, and he said, do you want to do some loops? 
And I was like, yes. But my friend, when he went, he said, no ways. And it's, do you trust the instructor or not? Do you, why, where, how? Um, but when you get into those situations and you commit yourself to instructor, even with the driving, you are trusting that guy with your life, especially with the flying. There's no second chance of, oh, well, he's not sure anymore what to do and whatever it is. You're entrusting your life to that person because he knows he's been trained. And the question is, are we, are we relinquishing that to God? Jesus himself lived a surrendered life, as he stated in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's what Jesus said. So how much more do we not have to live that surrendered life? And I want to get on to why we were called. What what is God really, why did he send Jesus, and do we really understand that? Jesus never did anything on his own, but was always instructed by the Father, the main instructor, the instructor, the creator. Surrendering to God involves taking a humble position and embracing what is over how you would have done it. And let's think of our lives as we live it. We've always got rights. We spoke about the handing over, resigning our rights and our whatever it is, control, handing over. But we've got a right. We always believe it. And this world teaches us that. You've got a right, and it's you, and it's yourself, and it's whatever it is. It isn't. It's totally contrary to what the Word says. And resign yourself to the instructor. He knows better. The Creator, even better. In the Bible, spiritual surrender is an act of faith. Spiritual surrender is an act of faith. When we spiritually surrender to God, it is trusting Him. We are in faith that He is the Creator. And that's why when it gets to worship and the way we live, are we really, really, really surrendering? Are we really trusting Him? And we cannot trust Him if we don't know Him. Mike's preached last week. Knowing Him is going to help us to get to that place. Just now when we were worshiping here, it was just like, Lord, I really don't know if I know you that well. I don't know if I really trust you that much. I don't know, are you really, how great you are. I don't think we see anything we're supposed to see. And that's the prayer. That's the prayer that we will really have a reverence for God and not just come and do stuff because we have to and because Matthew encouraged us to raise our hands. It's because we really see who God is. Yeah. Surrendering is the first act for those coming to salvation. It's the first act. That's when we suddenly surrender. We realize we have to, we have to surrender to something. There's something much bigger than we are. Something's called. Something's drawn. But it's God. He's created us that way. He's in us. And he's already calling from inside, from outside, from everywhere. And we had a prayer this morning about walls being built up. Um, may those walls not be built up in our lives, that we block out stuff. We block anything that is coming from the Lord because of us, me, myself, and I. It's the first act of those coming to salvation and a continual habit of those walking with Christ. That surrender, a continual habit. To spiritually surrender means to let go of control and trust God. 
man do we not control? A lot of us love control. Gora like a mm, we saw. Um, and I'm going to just touch on that right now. This is, I'm going for a rabbit trail right now. So here we go. That, hello, my boy. He's controlling mom right now. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You're winning the race. Um, yeah, that, that control that we have, and it's that, that posture of humility, husband and wife, um, in, in a marriage, um, that trusting what God has said is the right thing to do and surrendering the control where it needs to be and when it needs to be and how it needs to be. Anyway, Matthew 16, 24, and 25. How to surrender to his loving authority. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would say, save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I had a whole lot of scriptures on follow me, follow me, follow me. There are many in the word that the Lord says follow me, but we don't have time to go through all of them. But that's the point there, follow me. And if we don't surrender our lives, we're going to lose it. So we get into that plane with that instructor. We've probably got no idea how to fly the thing and to start the stupid thing. But if we manage to get that right and we're in the air and... You say to the instructor, but I'm flying, and you've never done that before. You will die. That's just the harsh reality of it. So it's, we will lose our lives if we don't give our lives. And we actually have to die to self. But that's in, in the posture of understanding why we're doing it and who we're doing it to. Living a surrendered life is a daily commitment. It requires a focused life, an intimate life with Jesus, and a thoughtful life. Think of that flight. Focused, you have to really be focused on the instruments, the weather, the radio procedures, everything that happens to control where you're going. And it's an intimate life with Jesus. You are one with that plane, especially when you're doing all those maneuvers. You, the instructors always tell you when you're doing a loop and you're going over, and he says, your left eye on the left wing and your right eye on the right wing. So I'd love to see that photograph from the front to see <laughs> we squint the wrong way around. And to see that, to keep your balance, to keep everything going, you're one. You feel, you feel the G-forces because you need the G-forces to keep you go, going around. Because if you don't have those G-forces, you're going to fall out of the loop. You're going to a spin. And that's what you train for. That if you do go into a spin, how to get out of it again. That is tra training. That is being with the instructor, leading, guiding. He's been there before. He knows. He knows everything about it. You've had theory about it, but if you haven't practiced it, so we can have theory, we can study the word and have theology coming out of our ears. If we don't practice it and live it and speak it, speaking life, we're not going to make it. Detracting. It anchors us to God and allows us to feel secure and at peace and to more easily be obedient to act when he speaks. So when we're in that training, it anchors us. So eventually we're going to be able to go and fly that plane ourselves so that we can go out and be the vessels we've been called to be and be the instructors again. That's the discipleship. That's where, that's where we have to be. So we train a lot and we go through this process. And uh, I had a colonel in the Air Force. Um, I wasn't in the Air Force, but the training was done there. The flying was done there. And he was this guru. But if I had to go and fly, 
and it's not that I was a good pilot at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. He was a Springbok um, aerobatic pilot for many, many years. But if I had to go to an air show like we had last week or two weeks ago in Langebron, and I had to go and fly my little plane and do my aerobatics or whatever, for the average person arriving there, they're going to be like, oh, wow. I've imitated my colonel. I'm doing those same things. But for the average person, they're not going to know the difference of how sharp I did it compared to the instructor, but I did it. It was there. It still was, somebody was still in awe of what's happening. And I want to do that. That's what the Lord is asking of us. Can we go and live that life under instruction, understanding who our instructor is and why he's there, and then submit to that, but then in that process, start doing it in any case. Not perfect, but we've got the basics and we go out. That people can be in awe of not us, him through us. That's Jesus Christ in us. That's the reflection that we're supposed to be. Our foundation is solid, so we can remain confident and hopeful in distressing circumstances. So that's a distressing circumstance that happens there. And I just really want to encourage everybody here that may... This is harsh. But I really feel it in my heart. We, we, we really go through life, and I'm one of those. We've been there. And we can say, oh, but you don't understand. Um, was it Paul with all the shipwrecks and whatever? I've had two serious shipwrecks and a third. I've had lots of things go wrong. But you know what? We can line up everybody here and we're going to hear horror stories. So what we're going to get to the end of the day is there's somebody with the most horrific story. So what? We've still got Jesus because we go out here, there's going to be somebody with a worse story. So let's not our story that's gone wrong be our story but how we get through that. And who's the instructor? Who did we follow? How did we come through that? That, uh, I mentioned it earlier to somebody today, let that mountain in front of you be that stepping stone, because for God, a little problem is a pebble in our journey forward. It's about living a life of faith, trust, and obedience to God. Acknowledging that he knows what's best for us and willingly follow his lead. Are we willingly following his lead? I don't know if I'm doing that daily at all. I try, um, but how are we going to do that? By knowing him, as Mike had shared with us last week. Getting to a close relationship with God. Getting a daily relationship with him. So we know him, we become like him, we if you mix with the friends, oh, going back to the flying, we used to, BC days, we used to mix with all the flying. And uh, so you become, every language, your language is exactly what they speak, all of that. We even had that stupid saying of eight hours between bottle and throttle. So uh, that's bad. Um, that's really bad. But that's what happened. The guys would drink themselves into a stupor and as long as there's eight hours in between, you could be as drunk as whatever and you'll still go and fly the next day because there's eight hours between bottle and throttle. Not saying how much should have gone in or not. We've got the Holy Spirit, not that spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit full time in us. We don't need eight hours between. If we fall to the Holy Spirit, we can make the difference in the lives around us. So surrender's first step is salvation. 
Salvation is, the only, is only at the start of our journey. What does a surrendered life look like according to the word? First of all, it starts with our salvation, and it's a decision that we've made. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. For the, okay, stop it, donkey. For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind, for his grace. It has, re- it has trained us to reject, now this is awesome, it has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness. That's salvation. That's that choice we've made. Irreligion and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritual, whole lives in the present world. That's, that's actually awesome. That is our salvation. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. And we'll talk about Ephesians 3.10 later, which moves on to that spiritual maturity. But that means we can live like Jesus lived on this earth. Don't let anybody tell you we can't, that we're this broken vessel. We were. But once you've been saved and you're saved by Jesus, the blood of Jesus has washed us, washed us clean, and we can start living that life. Not perfect yet, but it's the body as well. It's not that I have it all. Um, each one of us have that part, and we're going to reflect Jesus one day. We pray. Amplified version, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. This is beautiful. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ. Is that the same version that you have there? Okay, I'll read this one rather, that we don't confuse. I'm very sensitive to that. When somebody's reading something there, and my version is different, and then my brain spins out. So let's not spin somebody else's brain out. For it's by grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. That is so important that we must understand that we made a decision, yes, but it's all the way God has orchestrated everything. He's called, he's done everything. It's not me and myself and I, so clever, and I'm now saved, and I'm the gift to mankind. No, he is. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests, and take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and, in, if need be, in dying also. I think that's pretty clear. Follow me, he says. Do we really know why we are created? Do we know why we have to follow him? Why did God create us? Why do we have to surrender? It's the will of God. 
The will of God is to glorify God and to joy him forever. He created us in his image. Before the fall, we were very much God-centered beings. After the fall, it's all about me, myself, and I. So the goal is for us to be God-centered beings, to stroll around in the garden with him, chat with him, just enjoy every single moment of every day. Have that elation of that adrenaline doing those aerobatics and whatever, just in being with him much more. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whether you do or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So our call is to glorify God. What is glorified? So I, I, I think I had that one pretty wrong myself. Glorifying, okay, I glorify you, glorify Lord. He is big already. He is huge already. We can't make him bigger than he is. He is the I am. But we can glorify him by the way we live, by the way we reflect Jesus, because he called Jesus to reflect him. We are now to follow that and reflect who God is. And it's quite amazing where, uh, yeah, I'm just checking my time here, where the word says, my people die because of a lack of knowledge. And in lack of knowledge of him, it says many times. So by studying the word, we're going to know why, where, how, what we're supposed to be doing. So it's important, again, as Mike said last week, knowing him, who he is, having a personal relationship with, with God, so that we can fulfill his purpose he had for us at the foundation of the world. It wasn't just a clever idea. He had that purpose for us long ago already, before the fall. And he knew that's going to happen. And he had a plan. So I've got, got very good news for you. And you've heard it a few times today already. It's not about us. It's got nothing to do with us. We surrender our lives and live our lives for him. So that we can fly the plane as Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 5.15 and he died for all, that those who live might no live longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Yeah, those who live might no longer live for themselves. We daily, we live for ourselves. What about, what if? Have I got enough finance? Have I got enough friends? Have I got enough whatever? Um, you do through him. So don't worry about it. It's sin to worry. It is absolute sin. As a man thinketh, so is he. The moment we start worrying about something, oh, I'm sidetracking, but anyway, <laughs> we, every, and I know some of you know that, and you've heard me say that a lot, but every thought we have has a chemical reaction. Every thought. Every chemical is either good for your body or bad for your body. If you have bad thoughts, bad chemical reactions, you will have sickness. It's proven not even in the or in the secular world, up to 87, 95% of diseases, disease is ascribed to wrong, bad habits, bad thinking, unforgiveness, bitterness, twistedness, whatever. So let's, and the Lord says, count it all joy when trouble comes your way. Why does he say that? That sounds so contrary to what's happening. Count it all joy because you have a good reaction, you have a good chemical come out, and your body is healing itself so that you are ready for anything that comes. And... I used to, before I understood this about the chemicals in the body, just see that, but hang on, count it all joy when trouble comes your way. Why? Because Jesus has already conquered it. He's already made a way. We just have to walk into it and find it. 
So there will be a good result. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Okay, going on to another preach quickly. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's to glorify him. To live in a manner that manifests how great the maker is. Reflect him, honor him, be a doer of the word. Remember, if we're not doing in faith, we cannot please him. Faith without works does not please God. So we can have all the faith in the world that I can fly this plane and I'm awesome and I know all the theory about all the radio procedures and whatever that goes with it. If I don't get in that plane and fly in faith, I'm not pleasing God. Being obedient, being an ambassador, reconciling the lost with God. That's where we are here. Okay, so it gets Ephesians 3.10. We were created so that through the church, and I'd never heard this before, and in prepping this, I got to the scripture and I just blown away. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And that clopped me. That really hit me so hard. That God is trusting us, trusting me to stand here today to show the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. He's told us so often, well, you see in the world, uh, in the word, that it's a fight is not against flesh and blood. It's those rulers and things and principalities. But he's asked us, he's called us to express, express the manifold wisdom of God, our instructor, the, the, the creator, to go and show those rulers who he is. That's what we are supposed to be doing. Are we living that way? Are we speaking, lifting up, healing that person at the, at the, at the well? You are healed in Jesus' name. That's what I have. Healed. Get up. Are we living that way? Are we reflecting it? Are we, are we love that we're supposed to be love? I'm not nailing anybody. I'm just, that's what the Lord is really saying to me. If we really, really, really want to reflect him and be effective for him in this time, wars are happening. Everything that he said that's going to happen in this world is happening. The harvest is huge. If we are not surrendered, we are not fulfilling our purpose. Those authorities in heavenly places have to bow and be in fear Demonic things must run when they see us come through. When we wake up in the morning and we say, oh, Jesus, they say, oh, my goodness, they must run. They must flee. Yeah. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in, in the heavenly places. Okay. It's his purpose for us. Salvation is only the start of our journey. So we're saved, and now we go through this process. Sin is turning away 180 degrees from, uh, um, salvation is turning 180 degrees away from sin. It is our choice to acknowledge his call and then follow him. And as I said, I've got lots of scriptures on following him and knowing him, but I'm not going to go through that now. I just want to get to move a little bit on. Eternal life starts when the eternal one, isn't this beautiful? When eternal, uh, eternal life starts, when the eternal one comes on the inside of you and makes what was dead alive. 
You become one with that flame. You become one. He's one. Of the mind of Christ, a renewed heart, and we can be the love of Jesus for those around us. That's where eternal life begins. So we are being called to be, not Christians, disciples. And disciples are disciplined learners, wholehearted followers. And I think you all know what Christians mean. It's a little Christ-like one. So are we really reflecting Jesus? Are we little Christ-like ones? But we're the little ones and they're not together. That's the body. And that is the surrendered life we're supposed to be living, dying to self. Doing doers of the word, heal the sick, look at after the orphans. The word says a lot about that. Gathering of the saints. Do we get together regularly? Do we go and drive out demons, pray, give, love, speak life? Philippians uh, 2.14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Oh, my word. I have to check myself on that one. Philippians 2.15. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as light in the world. Remember I was talking about the, me going flying now and it's not the instructor anymore? You are reflecting God there. They are seeing God doing what he's supposed to be doing. Isn't that awesome that he is trusted, entrusted that to us? Surrendering to God is a constant daily process. It's not a one-time event. Okay. I'm going to quickly touch on a few scriptures, and then we're going to come into land. Just on quickly coming into land, we saw that plane wing come off. Things happen in life. Was that the instructor's fault? No. Was that the pilot's fault? Probably not. He probably did all his checks. And as an aerobatic pilot, you really do all your checks. We do become complacent in anything in life, I believe. But in this case, I really don't believe that guy had done anything wrong. So that is life as well. You're going to be flying along. You're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the wing's going to come off. How are we going to react? Are we then going to say, oh, I should have listened to him then. I shouldn't have... Um, rejected his good ideas or whatever it is. It's too late. I was flying from East London to Umtata, uh, um, to Mossel Bay <coughs> for a project with our CEO. He knew I flew and he said, oh, rather than taking the, Bo taking the Boeings and whatever, you love flying, so let's just fly from East London and we go through. I'd worked out, as we're supposed to do, you calculate how much fuel you need, you need to know which are other airfields, you can go and land if there's a problem all along the way. And so it's a long flight, hectic headwinds, and this plane had tip tanks, so it's had additional fuel. So on the normal fuel, I should have had about five hours flying with the tip tanks, seven hours. Um, and just alongside George, I saw, but the one tank is like, looks empty, and it's like, no, that's impossible. It's just, it cannot be. So checks are immediate, okay, flip fuel tanks onto the other wing, and, but as I looked at that one, it showed 10 liters left, and it's 10 minutes to George, uh, to Mossel Bay from George, and that's a liter an hour and what we were flying. So you know all those things, you talked all that. So I'm like, I'm gonna be out of fuel when I'm overhead Mossel Bay. Where do I go now? Go into George. Fear sets in. Oh no, don't go into George. It's uh, quite a busy airport, it's a bigger one. I'm used to a lot of small ones. Um, so I know my instruments can't be right. 
It's wrong. I checked. I've got seven hours fuel. We've only been flying four hours. It's impossible to have run out of fuel. Knew there was a headwind. I thought, okay, four and a half hours. Anyway, cut a long story short. I get overhead, um, muscle bay. Doing my calls, it's a blind call. It's an unmanned airfield, but there were two guys flying, instructors with students in the circuit flying around. And as I was on the call, just just clear for landing. I'm joining overhead, 1,500 foot above the airfield. The prop stops. And it's immediate. It's like, what are your checks? Because I've done the aerobatics, your checks are like that. And I quickly went through the checks, fuel pumps, whatever it is. Um, but I called what, because I was speaking, and I just said, engine failure. And, and then I went through my checks. By the time I'd gone through my checks, one of the instructors had come back on the uh, frequency that we were on to say that uh, they have cleared, they will clear the airspace, I can go in for immediate landing. And thank the Lord, the thing started. I switched fuel tanks again to the empty one that was over George. It took, and I managed to come in and land. Only to find that new tip tanks had been put in that plane two years prior to that. They'd put the valves the wrong way around. The fuel didn't drain from the tip tanks into the main tanks when the others ran dry. I go back to the flying club, the drinking parties, um, many years later, or well, many weeks later, to find out I was the seventh guy running out of fuel. The other guys were all too scared to, um, to report. I knew I'd done my checks. And uh, they'd all been too afraid to, to say that they'd run out of fuel. They'd landed in fields, they'd landed in whatever. Um, but they didn't go and report it because they didn't do their things right. The thing is, if we are trained and we, things are going to happen, but if you are trained well, you're going to do the right things at the right time. And we will get through this life unscathed. It may feel that we are really bruised and burnt, but we're just purified by God. Okay. Okay. I've got a lot of scriptures, but I'm going to quickly go through here. Scriptures that help us surrender to God. James 4, 7, submit yourselves. And I'm actually just going to touch on that and just give something with you. So if we don't submit ourselves to God and we take shortcuts, that's what can happen. We can run out of fuel and we can crash if you haven't done it properly. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and it carries on. The instructor gave you a flight plan. And you work out a flight plan eventually. God's flight plan for us is awesome. He knows exactly where he wants us. In him, uh, in heaven, with him in eternity. So, rather follow what the instructor has for us. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. We've touched on that. That's just like, and we want to just do everything this world's doing. Guys, do everything this world. Do not do what's there. Study the theory and the word. Yeah, the, the world is actually all driving cars, but this flight we are on now is much more serious than even the aerobatic. We need our instructor every moment of every day. We cannot go and do our own thing at all. Trust in the Lord, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh, man, do not lean on your own understanding. Um, quick. When you go instrument flying, and you are taught how to fly in instruments, as you go into the clouds, 
you lose your sense of balance. Your senses tell you it's a grey out, and your senses tell you the plane is doing this or that. You want to do with everything in your might. You want to start correcting that. If you don't trust the instruments, because the instruments will show you you are flying straight and level, pilot after pilot after pilot has died because he didn't trust the instruments. He didn't trust the teaching that he had that no matter what your senses tell you, trust the instruments. Because the moment you start correcting, actually you shouldn't be, you are already fly, uh, flying straight and level and climbing, and you start turning, you actually go into a spin, and you can, if there's not enough space between under the cloud and the ground, you could hit the ground. So, yeah, follow the instruments we've been given. Family, friends around us, the church, God's word, uh, it's critical. And I'm going to stop with this, this one here. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. This is all these scriptures are surrendering to him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This verse invites us to surrender our burdens to Jesus and find rest in him. When we're flying and you've got flight controls, you can set it at a certain angle and there's an elevator. So that's the thing on the back wing. So there at the, you'll see the elevator there. It's slightly enlarged, the orange one that points down on the top picture. Um, and then there's a little thing at the end of it. It's a trim tab. So you set your elevator to give you the angle of attack, whichever the, the way the plane is flying. But when you push that down, there's drag. So the wind flowing over those wings is pushing against it. So you constantly have to hold this um, control of the plane, and it's pressure. But then they design that little trim tab, smaller piece at the end, and it reverses, and you can just set your trim tab, and you can leave the controls. That's trimming in with God on a daily basis. Let's sit out, set our trim tabs. The yoke is on him. He's, the, the, the burden is light with him. And it's a much, much better journey by surrendering to him and living the life he's called us to. So with one wheel wing falling off, if we surrender to the Lord all the way, these things can happen. We haven't planned them. But we can come and land. We can have an awesome land, but it's not about us. How many others are we going to help to land? Thank you very much.